All right, we have a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. A Hall of Fame voter perspective is going to be joining Matt, Nico, and I as we have Mark Narducci joining us today. So let's hit the intro music and we will get right into this. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan joined alongside Matt and of course our very elated Boston Red Sox fan Nico Fernandez is joining us today on the podcast talking a lot of Hall of Fame as we just mentioned. We are going to be joined by Mark Narducci today to talk about his Hall of Fame ballot. But before we get to our guest, Nico, you have to be pumped today based on the Rafael Devers signing. The sun is shining and the birds are chirping. Everything is good. In Boston Red Sox land. Sure, we're still going to win max 80 games, but at least I know for 11 years we have Devers. Absolutely. And Matt, you're sort of on the opposite end of a major signing waiting to happen as a Mets fan. Carlos Correa has basically been on the table for two weeks now, and there's still no contract. Your concerns, your worries, do you think a deal is getting done with Mr. Correa? Not so patiently waiting now. It's 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 time to get something done. Let's get moving. Um <laughs> Especially seeing Nico so excited. Um, I'm ready to be excited again. So, Absolutely. Well, of course, we are excited to here on the podcast because we are joined by a Hall of Fame voter. We will be going through Mr. Narducci's ballot, talking about the four players that he elected to vote for. Maybe talk about as well some of the other more controversial players on the ballot that definitely have some scandals attached to their name. So, Nico, I'll let you go first. And which of these four players do you want to go into sort of break down? Because I know a lot of interesting players on this year's Hall of Fame ballot. Well, one thing I was really interested in your ballot is me personally, I hold the opinion that I think Billy Wagner should be in the Hall of Fame at least five years ago. I think that Billy Wagner is one of the greatest closers to ever pitch. And I think the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame right now is just a complete disrespect to his career and his dominance. Well, Nico, it's interesting. Wagner it's funny. Wagner has a, has a few things that, that go against him, but the thing I like the most is he is the greatest uh, strikeout per nine in the history of the game for, for pitchers who have pitched 750 innings or more. The problem is he didn't pitch as many innings as, as uh, a, a lot of the people, so they hold that against him. He also did not have a good postseason um, resume, although he, he made the postseason seven times. But with with those strikeouts, his save percentage was like uh, was like eighty eight point something, uh, and and I just thought that he was um he was a a guy when you strike out more per nine than anyone else in the history of the game, and that's that's some of the things that I vote on when you do something that's really rare like that, it puts you in that kind of company. I I I thought he was he was a Hall of Famer, but it, it did take a lot of thought about Wagner. There's no question about it. Yeah, I think for me personally, just the fact that when I think a lot of people start talking about closing pitchers, I think obviously Mariano, surefire Hall of Famer, that's who everyone thinks about first, Gagne. And then we start getting to like that second tier of guys who are Hall of Famers, but are kind of like the third through like six best relief pitchers of all time. I think Billy Wagner's for sure in that conversation. I think not putting guys like that in the Hall of Fame really undervalues what the closing pitcher does. 
Yeah, I, I again, I, I thought he was a Hall of Famer. I thought he had a had better – there are only eight relievers that are in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I thought he had a better, better resume than some. I'm not one of these that just counts saves and goes by that, but but he had a really high save percentage and he had a strikeout percentage that was higher than anybody. And you have those two things. They're, they're two main jobs of a closer. Now, if we keep moving on, um, unless actually – do you have anything to, to add, Nico, just before we keep no. moving on? Just kind of agree with him. Yeah. So if we keep moving on to to Todd Helton, obviously, really high batting average, really prolific career. I think it was seventeen or eighteen years um, in the league. Um, take could you kind of take us through your your thought process on him? Yeah, you know everybody says the Coors Field thing aided him, but if you look at his splits away from home, he had like a, like an 850 OPS. I mean, his splits away from home were, were, were really, really good as well. Again, he had a 316 career batting average. Now, I know a lot of people in this day and age uh, don't put much in the batting average. I, I still do. I think it's a significant stat. And if you look at it, and the thing I wrote in my story for MLBTradeRumors.com, only 11 people hit 300 this year. If it's that easy, you know, how come people people aren't doing it? So he did that. He wasn't known for power, but he had uh, 369 career home runs. Uh, uh, you know, he was a great fielder. He won several several gold gloves. He won a batting title. Uh, I, I I just thought that, that Todd Helton uh, made the grade with that, with the way he could, you know, his defense and and his hitting. I, th- I thought he was a Hall of Fame player. All right, I think that makes sense, especially because, like, if you if you're talking about the course field factor, he's not. He wasn't like a big home run guy. He wasn't a big power guy. So then that kind of undermines that that whole argument in the sense that, you know, that's not the 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 course field factor. I guess doesn't really affect batting average as much as it would affect power theoretically so that that makes a lot of sense to me well, not only that we're, we're finding out now people are saying with research how hard it is to leave Coors Field and then go to you know regular atmosphere and how how difficult of a transition that is and and as I said you look at his splits away from Coors Field and they may not be Hall of Fame splits but they're pretty darn good and 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 then at Coors Field they're you know off off the charts so I I I and I think Larry Walker getting in really helped Todd Helton. You know, I think I think that kind of helped. It didn't help him in my book. Like I, I again, I I thought he was a a, a Hall of Famer anyway. Um, so uh, that's how I thought it. A great great hitter, great fielder, <laughs> stayed with the same team all that time. Although that has that has nothing to do with it. But but I I just think Todd Helton uh, made it in my book. I think the fun thing about this year's ballot is that there isn't really a Derek Jeter or a Mariano Rivera. And I know next year's ballot has each row where it's sort of you're 100% sure this guy's yeah. going to get 95% plus on the ballot, which means that you have a lot of these cases that we're not going to describe them as borderline, but you could in a way where it's like you understand someone's argument for why they should be a Hall of Famer and you understand the argument for why they shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. And then it's sort of that, will they get over the 75% line? I think according to the the tracker that Ryan Thibodeau runs, it's that Helton and then Scott Rowland are the two guys that are probably closest, if not above the 75% mark right now. So I think since we just mentioned Helton, if you want to also get into who you did vote for as well, Scott Rowland is that second guy that sort of has a chance this year. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Ryan does a great job with his tracker. The one the one problem is if you look at the history of that, because he doesn't get 100% of the ballots, 
usually the actual votes trend a little mm -hmm. bit lower. So I saw that uh, Roland was getting like over 80%, and that's that's probably good for him at this time. But if you're just getting at 75 in the tracker, that usually means you're probably not going to make it. Mm -hmm. um, Scott Roland, again, and when you do voting, you, you have to look at the negatives. I wish he was, I wish he were healthier uh, during the time, but he was, he was another uh, a two way player. He won eight gold gloves. He had tremendous range. The guy was like 6'4, 235, and he moved like a gazelle at third base. Uh, seven time All Star, uh, 316 homers. Again, not, not a lot, but he, he was a, a fielding guy who, who could bat as well. I, I, I I thought he was just a, a great all-around player. Uh, I wish he weren't injured as much, uh, but I, I, I like the fact of that. And again, and I got to see him every day when he was in Philadelphia. For people that see someone every day like that, to see what kind of fielder he was, just just un, unbelievable. He was a World Series champion. He had a great World Series when, when the Cardinals won. Um, he, made, he made a Hall of Famer in my book. I, I voted for him last year as well. And I think something to note, I guess, for us who are a little younger and might not have seen Scott Rowland in his prime with the Phillies, with the Cardinals, we probably saw the latter hat when he was with the Cincinnati Reds for the end. It seems like he's a similar guy, if you want to compare him to someone now, to a Nolan Arenado type. Maybe not as much bat, but again, that's the, also the Colorado Coors Field. Nolan Arenado, though, he's done really well with the Cardinals these last couple seasons, where Arenado's really good with the glove and also has the bat as well to complement that. So it's a really yeah, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point, Dylan. And I, I think Arenado's better than Scott Rowland, yeah. to be honest. I think he's going to have a, a better career. But the other thing is Rowland. Again, we don't look him as as an as an offensive player, but but he, you know, I'm just looking at his line: 281, 361, 490 uh, slash line. Again, uh, pre pretty good. For, and one of the other things: only eight third baseman of a higher OPS plus. He was at eight eight fifty five. So, I I just really I I liked Rowland's all around all-around game as i said injuries really hurt him they certainly hurt his counting stats and and had he not been hurt as much uh, he would have even been more impressive yeah i think that scott Rowland. i think it's kind of time for him to kind of jump into the hall of fame one thing that since you were speaking of counting stats i think really getting into your fourth person jeff kent obviously the second uh, the most home runs by any second baseman and really uh slugger at his position one of the best sluggers of all time at the second base position really gets overshadowed a little bit i think because he kind of people see him as second fill of the barry bonds but in his own right he was just a phenomenal second baseman for his whole time year well again i'll put the negatives uh uh first on that nico he was he was not a great fielder we we all know that but for a guy known as pal for power he had he he batted 290 and the thing is, when I look at people who did something exceptional, he had 377 career home runs. He had 351 as a, as a second baseman. So I counted the 351 more than 377. He had 51 more home runs than the next second baseman in the history of the game. I mean, that's that's a pretty big gap uh, to have there. Uh you know, he was a, a seven-time All-Star, I believe. I, I, I'm not sure how many All-Stars he made, but but he was he's with the uh, he's in the postseason, I believe, seven times. Uh, Jeff Kent makes it makes it in my book. Uh, he's not going to make it, I don't think, with the vote. This is his last time. But that again, that doesn't that never affects me either. So.
Yeah, I think that a lot of people don't really understand how good Jeff Kent really was because obviously the last 10 years, this being the first year, obviously he hasn't been on the ballot, is a lot of what Jeff Kent did was overshadowed by Barry Bonds and all his drama. I think he was one of the great sluggers of the 90s and 2000s and the great sluggers of second baseman. And I think that he really deserves at least a fair shot of getting to the Hall of Fame because I really think that it's hard to talk about the second base position without mentioning people like Jeff Kent, who just were starting the new slugger era of the second baseman. Yeah, I'm just, again, looking at my notes here uh, because I I wrote this article on MLBTradeRumors.com, but uh, only three Hall of Fame second basemen have hit more than the 560 doubles that he hit. I mean, every every offensive category. And the thing is, he was a late bloomer as well. It's not like he he started out right away, but... uh, I just think when you when you have an exceptional hitting career and and listen, not everyone in the Hall of Fame was a great defensive player, so I'm not going to hold that totally against them. But um, when when you're that prolific as a hitter at his position, uh, I thought he was going in. And he's the one guy I'm a little surprised that he hasn't gotten more more traction. But like I said, this is his final year in the ballot, and it doesn't look good for him. You only have four people down on on your ballot. Um, and we were talking with uh, David Lorla, I guess it was a week ago now, and he has 10. Um, you know, why only four? Do you do you really, I guess, only hone in on the guys that you think go above and beyond and deserve to make it? And do you feel any pressure, I guess, to have that number higher? Uh, that's a good question, Matt. I don't feel any pressure. And, and this is one thing I'll say. I will never criticize another person's ballot. I don't like when people turn in empty ballots. I, I, I don't like that and sign their names. Uh, but that again, that's their prerogative. And, and and I won't criticize any person individually. There, there are a lot of different schools of thought, but I think I think you have to you have to be exceptional to be on it. I, I could tell you this, my ballot next year. Uh, is going to have more more people on it, and and I I agonized over over, over a lot of people, um, uh, like Andrew Jones, even Jimmy Rollins, who's not getting a ton of votes. Has I mean, they, a lot of these people have good arguments. I know I know if you look at that MLB Trade Rumors article in the comments, a lot of people thought Mark Burley uh, should be in there. Uh, it's just my opinion that that I, you know, I look for exceptionalism and, and what I feel is exceptionalism. Now what others do is different, but I, I don't feel any pressure to have a, have a larger ballot. No. Um, another couple of guys you just mentioned, Andrew Jones, Jimmy Rollins, those guys are probably on the, should they be on, should they not be on solely based on, I guess, production and that there's not that much, I guess we'll call it controversy surrounding them. However, there are definitely some guys that if we're looking at it, stats alone, Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, even a guy like Gary Sheffield, where it's like your counting stats, your aura and everything like that, for sure are Hall of Famers. But there's definitely that sort of they have the Hall of Fame or the steroid suspicion or even a suspension in some of their cases. I guess that's one of the interesting things of should Hall of Famers with steroid suspicions be in? Should they not? What sort of your stance on that? Obviously, we know from looking at your ballot, you didn't vote for Manny, Pettit, A-Rod, Gary Sheffield, the guys that have any suspicion. But is there anything um you sort of want to let us know about that whole process. Well, I, I just think that that, that tainted the game so badly. It, 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 um, 
I thought for a long time till he got in this year with the other committee that I thought he kept Fred McGriff out of the Hall of Fame because his numbers just looked ordinary when these guys were hitting, you know, 600 home runs and everything like that. And, and I just think it, it it ruined the game and, and set it back for years. So, and again, I don't criticize anybody. I know plenty of people that say, listen, I just, I don't get into that. I just vote for the best players. I respect that. I think it's, you know, everybody has his or her own, own opinion. And I think that's great. I just think that anything like that, that ruined the game. And if people can't admit at least that, that it did ruin the game and people can say, well, it brought interest in with all the home runs and all, but it, it set it back in the long run. And so I, I, I try, I try to be consistent in that. It's very, very hard though. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I think that since we're like, 20 or so, 30 years removed from it. I think people forget how many careers that, even though it was fun to watch, there were a lot of careers of damage because of cheating. And speaking of cheating, obviously this is the first year that Carlos Beltran's on the ballot. And obviously it seems for a minute like he was going to be a surefire Hall of Famer. And then obviously 2017 happened at the end of his career with his whole cheating scandal with the Houston Astros. How do you kind of judge that based on him being the first real cheater that's not a steroid user well that was another tough one matt because uh or nico i'm sorry uh because uh you know beltron we all know his numbers he, he had a very good career he's one of those two-way guys i love you know all the gold gloves that he had and 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 hit for power as a as a center fielder and, and everything like that but that apparently was such an egregious act that you know, baseball singled him out and him only. He's the only name there. And then he admitted to, to, to the, this is not speculation. And then if you read the comments by the Dodgers, uh, uh, the, 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 you know, the teams, uh, the Yankees that lost to them in, in 2017 uh, and just how much it stung and, and how out of hand that whole project got. Well, if I'm, if I'm getting on a guy for for cheating because of steroids, making himself better, and then I'm I'm overlooking Beltron, I I don't know if it's consistent. So again, a lot of people disagree with me. I I respect that, but but when you do something like that that technically alters the game like that, now will I do it for other Astros? I don't know. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But this guy was a mastermind of this. Admittedly, did a lot <laughs> toward it. Um, so he's not on my ballot. Then talking about other guys who aren't on your ballot, um, you know, who you talked about how much you agonized over certain players. And I know you're a big Philly sports fan, so I'm sure it was hard not putting Jimmy Rollins on there. Um, who, I guess who was the, the closest guy that ended up not getting on that you agonized the most over, but just didn't make it, make it on your ballot. Well, I just have to uh, correct you one thing. Uh, as a as a sports writer, I worked for the Philadelphia Inquirer for 37 years. We're not trained to be fans. We're, we're trained to be objective. You know, do you like to see the team win? Yeah, but it doesn't alter anything. So well, it's not like I was a fan of his team at all. Uh, Andrew Jones is, is the biggest one for me. Um, and again, this might sound crazy, but you know, back when he had that the, the domestic uh, violence charge, I know things were, were later dropped. 
that put a bad sting on me. And then you start looking, it's 254 career average. I mean, he did a lot of great things. He was a great two-way player. Um, I, I've just agonized over him, but have, have not put him on. And I think Rollins uh, also has a, a lot of good counting stats. And again, you know, when you put the negatives of these people, I, I almost hate doing it because you you make it sound like they weren't great players. He he was a great player. I just I just don't think he he made the Hall of Fame. He was he was a leadoff hitter um, who had a two sixty four career batting average. His his career on base percentage was three twenty four. It's not really what you want to see. He was um, he had a, a an OPS plus below a hundred. Uh, so. As, as much as he did, and he was a great two-way player, as, you know, great a fielder as you'll see. I got to see him every day. I I, I, I barely kept him off. I kept him off uh, my ballot. And then I, I guess a follow-up to that, you talked about how, you know, there might have been some character questions with Andrew Jones. Um, how much of the Hall of Fame voting for you is – strictly stats based and how they performed and how much of it is how they contributed in a different way to the game of baseball and to advancing baseball and to maybe some like are there certain character things that play could play a positive role in getting them on your ballot or is it strictly a numbers game strictly a how they perform type of thing no the character stuff can only be a negative in my mind like if a guy signed a million autographs i'm not going to put him in the hall of fame because he was great or if he did a lot of charity work uh that's all great that, that, but there are there are negative things, you know, like Omar Vizquel. Now, I didn't have him as a Hall of Famer anyway, but if I did, I I I keep him off my ballot, you know, based on that the stuff that has come out on him. So I, I think the character, in my opinion, again, I'm only one voter, and uh, this is just how I do it. Doesn't mean I'm right or anything like that. Just how I feel. Character, I I think can hurt you. I don't really think it. it it, it can help you. you. You can be the man of the year or whatever. This is uh, you want it to be mainly on baseball, but they do want us to consider in our voting like the character stuff. So I do um, if it's a negative. Yeah, adding on to that with like kind of the intangibles that kind of get talked about. We previously interviewed David Larilla, and one thing that he really harped on when he was talking about how he approaches the voting process was the story of baseball and how if you're telling the story of baseball or the history of baseball, can you include this guy's name with the story? And how do you factor in those intangibles and kind of how they impacted the game, kind of like maybe being a captain or just all the things that you can't base on stats apart from character? Um, I mean, if a guy was a great leader or something like that, I mean, maybe it adds in a little, but I, I, I kind of like to, to look at stats, look at, you know, what impact the person had on winning and, and things like, things like that. Um, you know, you got a guy like Jeter who was one of the great leaders of all time, but he was also a great player. So that, that was, that was pretty easy. I, I don't factor too much. I, I just, you know, I look a lot of stats. We, we do it. We have, we have advanced stats now. And I think advanced stats have helped, you know, people like a Scott Rowland, uh, who who probably would never have gotten considered because a lot of the guys in the early years of voting got got in because of counting stats. And there's something to be said about counting stats too. But um, I, I like to see people of impact. That 
that's that's what I like to see an impact at their position uh like a Jeff Kent uh if Jeff Kent played you know in the outfield was a right fielder and had those numbers uh you know you think well but he's a second baseman he had more home runs than any second baseman ever I I take a lot of that into consideration and then looking ahead, I know you still have a full year's worth of analysis to do on all of these guys, but sort of impact players, and you already alluded to it. Um, and of course, we're talking to the great Mark Narducci and that next year's ballot probably will have more guys on it than four. I know some of the newcomers coming on include guys like Ichiro Suzuki, Adrian Beltre, Chase Utley. I know Matt and I are looking forward to David Wright making his debut on the ballot, but there's a lot of guys who definitely have strong cases, if not we mentioned earlier the Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera. I think you can put Ichiro Suzuki in that same for sure Hall of Famers. I know definitely you'll probably have if the four guys are at least three because Kent will be off the ballot. Maybe we'll see Helton or Roland get elected. And I assume any holdovers and Billy Wagner as well will likely get your ballot and your selection again next year. But sort of at an initial glance, and you definitely probably haven't done as much analysis on these guys as you had with the guys on this year's ballot. But Ichiro, Beltre, obviously, same conversation as Jimmy Rollins. You saw Chase Utley a lot. And then as an opposing player, you probably saw David Wright as a lot. Those four guys, anything interesting about Well, them? Dylan, I, I think Beltre and Ichiro, like you say, I, I'd be shocked if they didn't get in. They, they, mm -hmm. they look great. David Wright and Chase Utley are two examples of why this is going to be a very tough ballot. And I'm going to add Joe Maurer into that, too. Mm -hmm. Guys that were really impact players that didn't do it maybe long enough for people to consider. Now, you look at their excellence over a short period. Is that better than someone that had counting stats? But you're right. right? David Wright is a guy that initially I dismissed till I started looking at his numbers, seven-time All-Star. I've got to look at David Wright closely. Chase Utley, uh, the same way. People might say, well, Chase Utley better than Jimmy Rollins. I mean, again, you, you compare you compare Chase Utley's uh war. I think it's at like 64. He was he was as good a player, not only in his position, but as good a player for about a five-year period of anybody in baseball. Now, is that enough time? And Joe Maurer's another one. You know, uh he had a 10-year period as a catcher, and that's really what everybody looks at. Uh, I guess he was at first base the other five years or so. But those 10 years as a catcher with the three batting titles, and it, it, you're right. I have to really, really look at that. I don't think there's going to be a lot of there – there won't be a lot of thought to Beltre and, and to um, Ichiro. One thing about Beltre, I'm, I'm just shocked that. I think the guy only made four All-Star games in his in his career, which is which is mind-boggling. Um but he was another one of those great two-way players. And I am going to dig deep into David Wright. I'd be interested to see what you think, Dylan. Uh, you're a Mets guy uh, about him. But, you know, does he make the cut? Because he and he and Utley are kind of the kind of the same a little bit. And and these are going to be agonizing decisions. And I, I don't know which way I'm going on them yet. I think the fun thing we mentioned earlier, and as much as it pains me to say this, the sort of hall of very good guys are the guys that are right below that cusp. And I know you mentioned Andrew Jones in that breath. And obviously the David Wright poster is even right there behind <laughs> me. So as much as I'd love to say David Wright's a hall of famer, it is that sort of interesting. He had the 
Um, I think he came up around 2003, 2004 and was a peak all-star for those first eight, nine years of his career. And then he had, I believe it was spinal stenosis in 2015 that basically ended his career early. So it's definitely the fun debate that there's never a right or wrong answer to of is your peak of eight, nine years, which for David was for sure a Hall of Famer, outweigh the fact that the whole body of work, I don't think he has 2,000 career hits, which is probably on the lower side of the Hall of Famers. But obviously, in that eight-year period, you could make the argument that there's no third baseman that was better than him, which is... Yeah, and that's what you have to look at now. Uh, I, I know before it used to always be counting stats, 2,000 hits, 3,000 hits, and... But was he dominant? It was he dominant in the time that he was dominant. Seven seven years is that enough? Same with Udley. Udley was a six time All Star. Was it enough? I, I I have to keep digging a little bit more more into that. Mauer, again, when you accomplish something no one in the game has ever accomplished, when you win three batting titles as as a catcher, and again, and I know sabermetrics people are getting on me about batting average. I, I still think batting average is significant, but to do it as a catcher and do it three times when no catcher's ever done that, it's it's an exceptional thing. And I, I again, I haven't really started looking at it really closely, but but um, Utley, Wright, and Maurer are going to be going to be some guys i'm going to spend some time on absolutely we look forward to hopefully having you back on next year where we hear maybe if my david wright poster does any influencing to <laughs> having him on your ballot but we definitely appreciate all the time and all the insight i know nico was gonna ask i know he, i think his wi-fi crashed on him he just texted me but i know his bold prediction was that he thinks we might get another shutout unfortunately i guess if you have any predictions, do you think one of Helton or Roland is going to get in to sort of wrap up this interview? Or do you think, unfortunately, Fred McGriff might be up there alone? Well, I think Roland, and I'm just basing this on what Ryan, Ryan does, because he does such a great job with the uh, Hall of Fame tracker. I, I think that um, I think Roland has a chance. I think it's going to be really, really tight. Uh, you know, like a, like a 76% vote or, or something like that. But I, I think he has a chance, but uh, and I hope I, I just hope there's I hope McGriff has some company. You know, you, uh, you you like to see it, but you also want to see deserving people. And again, I I can understand people not voting for Roland, um, but I think he'd be he'd be the guy. I, I kind of think Helton might just miss it again. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I think he just might might be out. And I don't think I don't think Wagner will be, and I don't think anybody else will be that close. I think the good thing about those guys is if they don't get in this year, this is definitely a big push forward for them. And at least all of them, except for Kent, have a couple of years left on the ballot to hopefully get that 75% in years to come. Yeah, and most people that get into it, um, that get into that 70 range with time left, get into mm -hmm. it, unless you're Kurt Schilling and you just talk your way out of the Hall of Fame. I mean, if he would have just kept his mouth shut, and by the way, I, I did vote for him, but mm -hmm. if he would have kept his mouth shut, uh, he, he would have been a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Well, we definitely appreciate all the time, all the insight and all the knowledge today. And we're looking forward to that announcement, I believe, in late January to figure out if any of these guys will be entering Cooperstown. But I know Matt, Nico, and I definitely appreciate all of the Hall of Fame insight and look forward to seeing the fun that will happen on your ballot next year with all the interesting names to be on there. Unless there's anything else any of you three want to throw in, definitely check out Mark's article on MLB Trade Rumors to get another in-depth perspective into his his hall of fame process unless there's anything else 
from you guys. All good to go. All right. So until the next time, the side is retired. Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SIDERETIREDPOD in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including the NFL and NHL. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for the rest of today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Well, Nico, Matt, that was a great episode we just had with Mark Narducci talking a lot of Hall of Fame, past, present, and future. Talked a lot about the four players that he had on his ballot, as well as a lot of why the reasons he didn't have players like Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, and Carlos Beltran on his ballot, as well as an interesting approach as we dug a little bit into next year's ballot and the interesting cases of Joe Maurer, Chase Utley, and David Wright. So we definitely appreciate Mr. Narducci's time. Of course, if you haven't yet realized, Side Retired is now available on Spotify as well. So make sure to rate, subscribe, download, whatever you want to do there, as well as Apple on normal. So until the next time, as always, the side is retired.